Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Tuning in, trying to find out how to win. Go along and tell a friend. Marathon, you know the game. Keep on running, never end. Getting better, make a man. Adam got it. Adam got it. Adam got it. Adam got it. Positivity. Full time lucky. I know, yeah. Yeah, good. Very good. How about you? Yeah, all good, all good. Just want to say like a much thank you for you uh, coming on the podcast. It really means a lot. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to help out, honestly. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. But um, I, I was basically like, you know, kind of doing a bit of research and, um, on your profile and doing quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, some would say too much. <laughs> but I suppose that's good because it's all, you know, it's all life experience, isn't it? That's exactly how I've looked at it, um, Adam, to be honest. I discovered quite early on in my life that I wasn't really an academic sort of person um, in, 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 in the main way that people think about academics. I loved reading. I was a bit of a, an introvert. I loved art. I loved reading. And that was about it, really. But I couldn't pass exams. And that was a major hurdle for me. Uh, not least because I, I also suffered some rather major illnesses as a as a youngster, which caused me to miss a lot of school. So that's uh, um, and then I just found that it was much easier for me to to learn by simply watching and then doing. And um, if I'd had the presence of mind back then, I would have uh, you know I would have gone and done some some sort of um, you know uh, work alongside somebody, um, learning as I went along. Um, but that didn't happen. Uh, so instead, I decided to just simply do a lot of traveling and um, meet as many people as I could, have as many experiences as I could and just learn from it that way. So I've had a, a you could say, a, a rather organic growing up experience. And I've done most of my learning simply by being amongst it, if you like. <laughs> yeah, no, that's probably the best way, isn't it? Just throw yourself into it. Yeah, kind of throw yourself out there. Yeah, it, it certainly worked for me. And 
I would never, ever uh, say that I would give anybody advice. Um, but I, what I would do is um, offer my experience as um, a potential for some people if they felt that um, that that they f they felt that they wanted to do something that was a little bit different. Um, I've certainly done it, and I've come out unscathed, more or less. Yeah, it's kind of throwing yourself out of your comfort zone, isn't it? It's been, it's been kind of believe me, Adam. Really, um, I I was not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, what you'd call um, a go-getter, um, brave, um, outward, extrovert. None of those words applied to me. None of them. I was a complete introvert and I simply just decided to push myself out of my comfort zone, just face my fears. Mm. And um, I've got to say uh, that it worked for me. Yeah, I know it may not work for everybody. It, it, we're all different. But um, if you think that it might work for you, it, it it's a, it's a great way to uh, to combat and surmount your fears. Mm. Absolutely. So, kind of, what what gave you the, the initial spark? What kind of gave you that spark to to do it? What? Um, what yeah, that, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, and I suppose that the easiest way to answer that is I went through um, a tumultuous event in my life. Um, mm -hmm something happened to me in, in my late teens and I just needed to get away. Um, as young as I was, um, I was sort of staring down at uh, the barrel of depression and um, I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And the first step I took back in the day when obviously before uh, mobile phones and the like, uh, back in the day, we used to read magazines, and in the back of one particular magazine, there was an advert simply saying, if you want to get away from it all and do something completely different, why not join um, a kibbutz uh, in Israel? And yeah. uh, a kibbutz, for anyone that doesn't know, um, is basically a group, a social group. Um, it's like a little, a little village that is completely self-sufficient. So they cook for themselves, clean for themselves, they grow their own um, um, fields and cattle, and they just take care of themselves. Money is not really uh, involved in, in the life that they live in this uh, community. It's a community is a better word for it. And I thought, wow, okay, great. Um, I need to get the hell out of here or, or I'm gonna do something that I'll regret. Mm. And uh, I literally took a plane to Israel and just that was my first ever major um, incident of living completely outside of my comfort zone. Foreign country, new people, different language I didn't understand and living a completely different way of life as well. And from that moment on, that really changed the way I lived my life. I mean, it actually changed me. I came back and a lot of my friends, even that, that I still have today, said, uh, when you came back from Israel, you were not the same person. And I'd been away almost four months. Mm. And um, just throwing myself under the bus, if you like, um, it, it did it for me. It's like like jumping into, a, into an icy pool. You, do, do you either go in very, very slowly and prolong the, the agony or do you just jump in and, and go for it? And I became that person after 
the events of me going to Israel, I became that person that jumped in because when I found out that I didn't, you know, you people, we look at we look at big risks that we take in our lives and we, we look back in our history and think, wow, you know, I, I made that decision and I just went for it. We all do it. We just don't recognize it sometimes. Um, and when you take that risk and then you find that you have survived that risk, there's nothing more to, to, to stop you. Yeah, you know, people make the plunge to, to, to buy their first house or, or their first apartment or whatever. That's that's a risk. You know, you take a you take a mortgage or, or you take a, a loan or something. That's a risk. And we never think, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this because you just do it. You just get on and do it. And you think, well, I have to keep my job now or, you know, I've got to bring in the money. Everything in life is a risk. Um, and we have to realize that we've actually done a lot of risks in our life, getting to the point we're at right now at this particular moment. So what's to stop us taking more risks? Mm. Well, I completely agree with us. Spawn. We, we just have to really um, have the belief, the real belief in ourselves that whatever happens, even if it was a bad, a bad decision, it was a bad choice, it was a bad risk, we're going to come out all right at the other end. We might come out a little bit scratched and bruised. We might come out with less money, but we're going to we're going to deal with it and we're going to win and we're going to surmount it. And I think these are risks that people can take in their day to day lives. I'm not talking about physically risking your health or your life. We're just talking about making decisions that may alter your life. And that can only be beneficial for all of us if we actually try to see what boundaries there are because really my point is that there aren't any there aren't any boundaries the boundaries are all in our heads and if we would just take the occasional calculated risk way up well you know what am i hoping to get out of this what's the worst that can happen am i going to be shot at dawn no you're not so what's stopping you is it your own fear? And if it's a fear, then this is something that you need to, to deal with because it's not good to be a slave to fear, to be completely beholden to fear. Otherwise, you are being limited. And if you're being limited, you're, you're stopping yourself from growing. So there's nothing out there to fear, literally, except fear itself as a wise man once said, and we have to, we have to sort of um, get over this feeling that you're not good enough or you're too scared or that you'll be ridiculed. I think ridicule has got a big, big part to play in why people don't take risks. Because if you don't do something, um, then no one can really criticize you if it all fails. And yeah. I, I can understand that. I trust me, I've been through that a lot in my life. But over the years, maybe age has got something to do with it. But eventually you just don't care what other people think of you or your life choices. And you just say, I'm doing this for me. Um, my friends will always be my friends, no matter what crazy stance I pull. Um, but we, we have to do things in order to learn. You don't try something. You don't risk something. You don't learn. You don't grow. You don't learn and you don't grow. You don't become the best version of yourself that you could be. All those experiences are going to shape you and they might even lead you into a completely different direction than you started out. 
and it just might be the direction that uh, that you need to be going in. Mm. You've got to take that first initial leap, haven't you? And it kind of yes, like it stores for you. Exactly. Exactly. I've heard someone say fear is uh, false evidence appearing real, or something like that. Yeah, it is. We have to we have to explore, and we don't need to have a degree in in psychology to 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 just try and find out what are the building bricks of who we are. I mean, really, who we are uh, in terms of what gives us passion um what makes us angry the, the basis of our emotions find out what it is that that makes you tick and by far one of the biggest if not the biggest building block we need to examine is fear why are we afraid mm. and we're afraid because it's 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 inherent it's part of our dna as, as human beings uh would be pretty useless if we didn't um have the emotion of fear um, but we cannot let it control us. We can't let sensory perceptions control us. Um, we have to take on board what the sense is telling us and then decide how much of that information we're going to accept and how much of that information is going to control our next decision. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a famous uh, phrase, which is feel the fear and, and do it anyway. Actually, that, that encapsulates it perfectly. It's no one saying don't be afraid. Oh, my goodness. Be afraid. I'm afraid. Um, but I then am quite logical, pragmatic and stoic, if you like, about the decisions I make in my life. I try and understand and make a decision based on logic as quickly as I can. Um, but I never seem to be able to tell myself, well, this is a completely bad idea. You can find positives in everything and you should be looking for the positives in everything because it's those positives that are going to lead us uh, to new experiences. Mm. I mean, you could, you know, the, the, the old, the old um, thing about flying, people who are afraid of flying. And I completely sympathize with that. I don't have a fear of flying, but my wife does. She's absolutely petrified. Um, and I have to sit next to her on the flight. So um, when she's grabbing my hand and digging her nails in, yeah, I, I, I do get it. But as I say to her, at least you've actually done it. You've, you're actually here on the plane. So every time you're doing that, you're having an experience and a positive one that is eventually going to change your attitude towards flying. Yeah. I I can kind of relate to that. I mean, I'm I'm pretty chill, but like if I if I overthink if I'm on a plane, I can feel a little a little bit anxious. And um I went away with my girlfriend um somewhere the other month and um she's really used to flying, she's travelled all over the place. Yeah. Is, you know, it's the norm. Whereas, you know, I don't always get on a plane. Yeah. You know, probably a couple of times a year or once a year sometimes. Um, so I think if I overthink it, I think, oh, no, I always think the worst. That's or, it. That's it. You just hit the nail right on the head. You think the worst. And this is, this is something we all do. I do it. We all do it. It's natural. That's human nature right there. That's, that's your caution warning you. 
you're about to you're about to put your life in basically someone else's hands. The the, the pilot yeah. and the engineers uh, and the builders of that plane, and you are obviously afraid of that. That's 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 a fear because you're thinking of the worst case scenario because you didn't have a hand in building that plane and you don't have a hand in flying that plane. And uh, even aside from that, you've got uh, big old mother nature. Um, and these are all things that are going through your head and telling you, you know, I can see the negatives here. Hmm. And I think that we, we all need to, that's fine. Feel that because it's, it'd be, it'd be ridiculous for you not to hear those messages going through your head, but we have to then sort of, not silence them, but talk them down, if you like, and say, well, listen, well, and what are the positives? I'm going to my destination. I'm going to get there a lot quicker than I would if I walked. Um, and, you know, you, you do statistics as well and, and say, well, you know, what, what's the likelihood that something bad is going to happen? And you just talk yourself out of the negativity and you talk yourself into the positivity. That's what we have to try and do. It's not easy. I, I still have it. Believe me, I still, I still um, worry and fear and fret about about many things in life. But I am aware I'm doing it, and that's when I start talking positively to myself and say, "Now, why are you focusing on the negative? Why?" Mm. It's well like reframing your perspective, isn't it? Yes. To um, something else and having a new lens, looking through a different lens. We have to. We have to. No one has the answers or, or, or the solutions. I can't give you answers, and anyone that tells you that they can is, is just lying. Um, it's all subjective. It's all how you feel, how you see, how you think. And, and, and all I'm trying to help people with in, in the course of my day and my life is to help people try and listen to the positivity inside them which they have but they just prefer that the the negative side has a has a more shouty voice and comes through clearer and i'm just trying to tell people that just turn that volume down not off it's, it's uh i'm not telling people to to turn that completely off it, it's there for a reason it's there to protect us but you don't always have to listen to it as being the only voice that there is. And we should just try and calmly think of the positives in life um, mm -hmm. and, and, and the great things that are out there waiting for us if only we would just take that first little step and found out that, hey, guess, guess what? We didn't falter, we didn't fall down. Um, I can do this and just put another step in front and keep putting one foot in front of the other. And we can do it. I'm just looking um, at my diary that I got the other day. But as you always talk about this, just remind me. And um, front of it's got a quote by Nelson Mandela. Ah, yes. And it, it says, it always seems impossible until it's done. Correct. I love that saying as well. I think that's great. And we all do this. We all do this. We think we see things, we see problems, and we think, oh, how am I going to get through this? Well, guess what you will? If you've got this far in life, and I doubt anyone on this planet has just simply grown up on a bed of cotton wool, we've all had to do things that were uncomfortable to do, that were uncomfortable.
to learn that hurt that made us cry that made us afraid but we're here right now i mean right now if anyone's listening to this right now you're here and you're only here because guess what you took risks you don't see them as risks because you've completed the journey as nelson mandela just said you know everything seems impossible until the job's done and we've forgotten conveniently uh the risks that we've taken and then we think well i haven't taken any risks in my life oh i think you'll find that you have you just need to think back to when something was new the first time you did it and you can realize you can do anything you just have to be uh in the right frame of mind and the right frame of mind is simply talking positively to yourself it's so it's so important to for us to to try and be as positive as we can be in this life because negative feelings negative thoughts are simply negative and they are they draw your strength they deplete your strength mentally physically spiritually and we have to really get that in check get that in balance mm. yeah i think i think it's a lot easier to be negative as a person i think we're wired like negatively based on oh i totally agree yeah. we are as a, as a as a survival mode and here's the irony is that it's it's supposed to be a survival technique is to always look at things cautiously and negatively you're wondering if something's going to hurt you and if you weigh up that it's going to hurt you more then you leave it alone but here's the thing the irony is that that negativity is actually holding us back that survival mode isn't allowing us to survive if you like it's not letting us evolve to to give it the the, the proper term it's allowing us to survive another day but have we evolved at all if we haven't taken that chance if we haven't taken that fight if we haven't stepped outside the cave if we hadn't decided you know i am going to fight that uh, that wolf or i'm going to take down that mammoth or oh, no it's too big and scary i'm just going to stay inside the cave we will never evolve we will never grow muscles we will never move forward we need to sometimes override as i said we need to override that that negative uh voice sometimes that cynical um fearful voice i think that's what we're kind of seeing in today's society quite a lot um you know in certain jobs and uh corporations and you know general society um people can get used to being comfortable um and get caught in those ruts and they're not being <clears throat> challenged or enough or probably not challenging, challenging themselves enough. yeah i agree with you um it does feel a little bit like that these days more than in the past when i was growing up um it and it is only a feeling i got no evidence to back it up but it just does feel that we in some ways are not being challenged um enough or we're not challenging ourselves enough because we're taking um i don't know the 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 more efficient the softer the easier route sometimes 
Mm. Um, I think that industry as well uh, has a lot to answer for in this regard. And I think it's cyclic. I remember 20 years ago, um, industry was not so keen on qualifications. And as long as you could show that you were spirited and you 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 really wanted um, to, to, to go for it and, and, and the interviewer could see it in your eyes and thought, well, I'm going to give this chap a, a go because he looks like he's got the heart for this job. He may not have it on paper, but these days um, I found it completely the opposite. Again, it's only my experience, but I've I've. I felt that companies are now only looking for qualifications uh, and, a f and years experience as well, rather than looking at people as human beings with experiences that they can tap into, they can bring to work. I don't know why companies seem to be going more, um, becoming more rigid rather than imaginative. And that worries me a little bit. I think it's because it's easier yes. to click a process. I do. That's at the, at the base of it all. That is how I, I think that they are, um, are doing this. Is it's because it's a, a quicker process. It's an easier process for them. Like you said, it's quite rare places to want not to see you in person and all the rest of it. I mean, I I handed in an application um, to a, a place near me the other day, and it was um, like a kind of jewelers, yeah. Yeah. you know, so and I saw there's a job in there, uh, you know, in the window, and it said apply within. And I went in there and got the application, and I was talking to the manager and so forth. And um, I was like, so I asked them, like, you know, how can we put it in the window? Why is it online? And there's like, oh, we'd like to, you know, see the person who comes in. And I was like, gosh, you never really hear about Wow. That, you know? Yeah, now that is different. And I like it. I like it. They gave me the like, application form and, you know, to actually write it and fill it in. And I was kind of thinking, Christ, I haven't filled it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had to do one by hand yeah. in years. And I had to like write it out like ten times on yeah. paper before I actually did. Oh, I remember those days. <laughs> it's just so weird, but that I think that's how places should be. You know, you should go in, talk to them face to face. See, well, you know, I see totally agree, Adam. I think that again, it's only a feeling, but it feels like industry is losing its humanity, um, and. I think that industry needs to be careful of that and they need to start talking to people to understand how they tick, to understand how those people are going to be, to work for them. Because if you're just hiring someone based on qualifications, then I'm afraid you're simply not going to get the quality uh, based simply on someone writing the correct keywords on their CV. Um, it, it, it's just not enough. You need to really know the people who are working for you, carrying your name, selling your goods, um, promoting your products, because otherwise you're going to have people that really aren't on board with your vision for your company. They've got to be on board. And there's only one way you know that, and that's not through a CV. 
it's actually it's not even in an interview because um we've all done it we do what we have to 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 pass the uh, the gatekeepers um at interview stage but we really need to know who people really are and there's only one way to do that and that's by having more often than not an informal uh, talk with them and i completely understand that most ceos D, uh, directors hr officers are all going to say well we don't have the time for that but i'm afraid it is one of the only ways that you will actually find out whether someone and especially if they're going to be in a particularly delicate position in your in your business it's the only way to find out if they're right for your business it's your time it's your time it's your money and it's it's your product and if someone's not selling it right it, it gives a bad image if they're not done with the passion exactly it, people can all that person's not pitching it a certain exactly way. i mean the companies do their bit to sell themselves uh by saying well you know this is our, vi our vision this is our mission uh, our mission statement and they're trying to show you that you know they're on board with the customers uh, or the clients uh, vision as well but you can't deliver that vision you can't deliver that service if you don't have the right people working for you and this is something i'm very passionate about is finding the right people um, for those roles um, not taking away anything from a cv or from an application form but you need that that extra, um, how can I put it? You need an extra tool to help you ascertain mm. who is really on board with your vision, who's going to really push your mission forward and deliver that service to the customer. And there's, you know, like you said, your experience of going to the shop. This is fantastic. And I think this is something that I hope we'll never lose, including the small shops in our high street. I feel very passionate about community. I feel very passionate about um, local. And I think we should be supporting our local shops, our high streets as much as we possibly can. Um, and these, these guys, these business people, these small uh, business uh, and enterprises, um, they know how to get the right people for the jobs because as you just said, they decided to actually meet you informally. They wanted to see what you looked like, how you sounded, how you held yourself. These are crucial, crucial things, um, especially when it comes to sales. And uh, I think this is this is most definitely the way forward uh, for industry. This that was a great thing that uh, you were part of, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I mean it was really nice. I mean I was like, you know, I'm, I'm quite an extrovert and I like you know, yeah. engaging with people and I was like this is you know nice I'm not just filling something in online and clicking it and sending it you know I'm actually meeting with these people having a look around it's, you know it's an experience isn't that's it that's exactly you've, again you've hit the nail on the head it, 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 it's experience and yeah. it's an experience that we ourselves I mean we ourselves are customers so we know what we expect from uh, a particular brand or company so we want to have, we still want to continue having experiences even when we're working for that brand or company. And so the way that that company treats you and the way you interact with them, either as a customer or as an employee, should be more or less the same. And companies need to take this on board and start treating people as 
as humans and wanting to dig a little deeper and see, let's look at it this way, see the customer side of that person who they're about to hire. Yeah. They should ask, well, you know, you're a customer, you know, what do you think of our products or have you bought our products? And if you just treat people, oh, you know, this is simply uh, um, a humanoid robot who's coming to work for me and I don't really care what he or she thinks or, or, or says about our products or how they feel as humans even, um, I'm afraid you're, you're, you're not going to succeed. Mm. You're going to have people um, unhappy working in the company that's going to have a knock-on effect with their colleagues um, and eventually it will have a knock-on effect whether it's immediately obvious or not but it will have a, an impact on how that company um, behaves and ultimately its successes. I've, I've seen it, I've, I've, I've been in it, I've, I've seen it when I've worked in a hotel and mm. restaurants in the past. Um, I mean it, you know, it's, Kind of a different topic is you know catering is stressful so I can understand how people can um, absolutely I mean serve the service well. industry is it's just it's relentless so I think we I mean we went through like three or four mm. managers and like six chefs in the space of a year or something like that in this place I was at and you can kind of you kind of learn about people and you kind of gauge if someone's heart's in it. And I think that's what I, I like in people when I go into like a coffee shop, you know, especially like, uh, I went, I went to Cafe Nero the other day and I could tell this guy, mm -hmm. he's fully engaged with what he's doing. He's saying hello to people. He knew the regulars and what coffee they wanted. And I could tell he enjoyed it and he was in the flow. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's, that's nice to see when you see someone, in their craft doing what they love exactly and it's 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 symbiotic if he's happy doing what he's doing he's bouncing off your energy as well and, and the other customers energies so it's it's organic mm. it, it, he may have started off that way just saying you know i'm going to be happy today and i'm, I'm going to do the you know do 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 the i love what i do anyway but um i'm going to do it with a smile i'll be whistling all the rest of it and then you come in and yeah. you react off that because it feels great to be served by someone who loves what they're doing. That you, your interaction with them yeah. just boosts them even more. So they're giving and they're getting from you. And you're exactly the same as a customer. You're getting from, from, the, from the employee. And then you're giving it right back. And this is what we have to start to we, – we know this. We know this anyway. But we, we have to start really um, focusing on making it a priority in our lives in in sensing, well, do I love what I do? Am I really giving um, my clients, my customers the very best experience? And if not, why not? Is it because I'm just tired and, uh, you know, I need, I need a holiday and I've been working too hard? That's fair enough. Or is it actually because you don't enjoy it anymore and you don't believe in it anymore? And these are hard facts to face. These are hard questions to ask ourselves. And it all comes back to how you started off this conversation, which is about fear. And sometimes we fear looking in the mirror. We fear asking ourselves the hard questions. And we have to just do it. We have to just jump in that icy water and get the shock over with and, 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 and face the music. And I think... And you build resilience, and was it someone 
Sharon, is it? Avery or somebody on there. I like, I've watched a lot of yeah. content. He's quite good. Uh, I think him or someone else said, get comfortable. Absolutely. Being comfortable. Yeah, I, I think I saw that recently on LinkedIn as well. And I think that's a really great phrase. I wish I'd thought that up. But yeah, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Be able to put up with almost anything and you'll become you become like Iron Man. You, you, you just become so tough because nothing will phase you. Mm. And that is, is it's not a skill. I mean, you can learn it. Everyone can learn it. You just have to do it. It's like learning another language. I, I, I teach uh, English to foreign students um, every week. And, and as I tell them that there's no magic pill, there's no magic spell. The only way you're going to conquer this language is by practicing. And the only way you're going to conquer being uncomfortable is by practicing. Do things that make you uncomfortable. Mm. Make decisions. Ask yourself really, really hard questions. There is no other way. Feel the fear and do it anyway. What is the worst? You have to ask yourself, and this is a personal question and only you can answer it. And it is, what is it that you really are afraid of? What is your biggest fear? And I'll tell you what mine is. You get this one for free. It's simply this. It's failure. It's simply failure. I, I am a little bit um, competitive and I don't like to lose. And forcing myself to lose and dealing with loss um, became my biggest challenge. And it still is a challenge today. I don't like to lose. And it, it was very hard for me to face up to that as to why I was um, not doing well at school, why I was not, um, I didn't want to engage with anything because I didn't want, I thought of, you know, the way you did, what's the worst that could happen? And I thought, well, the worst that can happen is I'll be laughed at because I failed. So it's ridicule as well as failure that was stopping me from doing anything. And we have to, we just have to get comfortable with it, get comfortable with failure, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And if you can do that, my God, you're just going to conquer everything and nothing will stop you. I think as well, like, um, what was your fear then, Stein, what you mentioned, your, your fear of this thing you spoke about? What about just my, my particular fears were failure and ridicule, and, and, and they were linked together. I so I, I, I didn't want to fail and have everybody sort of pointing and laughing at me. And it was, it was both the failure itself, which would even hurt me even if no one was around, but it was failure plus public ridicule. Because, like kind of part of you know two things on you know, kind of Absolutely. power of isn't it it's like layers of layers of and so many other layers that kind of pinball off all these other fears yeah so you can kind of see why probably some people struggle to totally oh i i i I, I totally sympathize with that because i i went yeah. through it i promise you as a child you know if, if i met yeah. all my schoolmates from when I was growing up between the ages of uh, seven and, and, and 12, they wouldn't recognize me now because I'm, I'm not that person. I was just in the corner with a book. Um, I was a sickly child. I was always ill. And you know, I, I just was afraid of everything. 
I had, I suppose, another way that I conquered my fears, and this isn't this isn't a great way to do things, but it was simply I set myself up to fail. I got so angry with myself. I don't know if you've ever felt that anger with yourself. You, you hate sometimes the things that you do, the silly things that you do, the negative things that you do. Think, oh, why am I like this? Why am I like this? And then you just force yourself. And you think, you know what? I just, I just don't care. I'm so angry. I don't care. That for me was 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 a breakthrough moment. Um, when I've had those, when I've just thought, you know, I've, I've had it with this. I don't care what happens to me after this particular moment. I'm just going to do it. And that's done with very little thought. That's done very rashly and very irrationally and done with the wrong emotion, a lot of anger or, or frustration. But sometimes I've done things in that mood. And when I've come out the other side and I've won, I've conquered whatever it was, just thought like the Nelson Mandela thing. Well, I thought it was impossible before and I was just angry before, but I've actually done it and there was nothing to it. Mm. You know, I, I as, a as a very young child, I had my teeth knocked out. So I've got three or four false teeth in, in my head, which I've had since I was eight. Yeah. And after that, mm. I just, I wasn't able to um, have any self-confidence. And worse you know if, if I wouldn't get involved in any physical arguments if I thought someone was going to fight me or hit me you know I'd just run away and I got so angry with my my fear and my weakness that I just decided again just just do it and I I, I enrolled into a kickboxing class um, in my 20s and I thought you know like you with a plane or, or other people have with their fears. I just thought, well, I'm, I'm probably going to get punched in the head and, and get knocked out or probably, you know, have an aneurysm and die. Um, or they're not, or they're not my false teeth out and I'll be, I'll have no teeth in my head and, and look like an idiot. So I had all these negative thoughts and I got angry with myself for having these negative thoughts. And I just went to the club anyway. And I just started taking part and, Nothing happened. The worst case scenarios did not come to pass. I didn't get my teeth knocked out. I didn't get an aneurysm. I didn't get knocked out either. And I actually found I really enjoyed it and that I was actually rather good at it. My fear of, of being hit actually worked out as a positive because I was able to catch people's uh, punches before they reached my face. And I remember the instructor saying, you're actually one of the fastest, um, not only punches, but you, you, you can catch a punch too. And that had only come from one thing, and that was the, the fear that I had before. And it's coming out the other side. It's saying, you know, oh, I, I, I bet I'll probably die. And then doing it and coming out and saying, well, I didn't die. Well, if I apply that to absolutely everything I do in my life, then guess what? I've, I haven't got a problem doing anything. And now I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. But we, it, it's, to put it another way, we have to give up. We have to give up. And that sounds such a weird thing to say. And I don't mean it in the phrase that we normally use give up as. I mean, we have to give up this feeling. And we have to say, you know what? I just don't care. I'm going to do it. I've thought about it. 
there are lots of negatives, but there are also a lot of positives. And just throw yourself at it and give it your best shot. Because that's all we've got in life. We've only got the one shot. And that's why we show up every day. So less fear and just more positivity is what we need. I really like that. I think we could all do better as a human race if we all took this attitude. Um, there's nothing wrong with, with having the fear. It's just feeling it, knowing it, understanding that it's telling me what it was designed to do, which is to protect me. But I must also realize that um, I have the power to overcome not only the fear itself, but that which is make, giving me that fear. Yeah. Not completely. And and this is what we need to train ourselves to do this oh. more and more every day. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of the LinkedIners putting on um, on their posts. You know, find something that frightens you and and do that every day. It's not a bad uh, it's not a bad way to, to to look at things if you can find something that uh, is not going to induce a heart attack or anything. But I mean, if you can find something that you're uncomfortable, I think they should just say find something that's uncomfortable and do that rather than something that you fear. But it's something you're not comfortable or you haven't been comfortable mm. doing up until this point. I think that's a great idea. If you think oh, I really don't like doing that, do it some more. Make yourself go and do it until it doesn't hold any fear for you to do it again. Oh, I'm really scared of public speaking. Right, then this is your new task. You are going to go and do as much public speaking as, uh, as you've got time to do it. But you are going to do it until it just holds absolutely no fear for you. Until it's just like, like a walk in the park. You can do it. I mean, the public speaking, we've all had that. I've had it. I don't have it anymore. But it was always, oh, I'm going to be laughed at. Why do we think this? Why do we think in ridicule? How many of those people sitting listening to us or standing listening to us uh, could do it? We all have that fear. They're actually hoping you're going to be rather good. They're willing you to be good. So we just have to we have to conquer our own fears, yeah. and the only way, as I said before, as I say every day to my uh, foreign students, is practice. There's no other way. You want to learn another language? You want to learn how to do something you couldn't do yesterday? Well, there's only one way, and that's practice. Actually, do it. No, that's great advice. Oh, it is, it is that it is something I think like that needs to be preached. You know, I often talk about education and things like that. And this isn't, you know, if your teacher said all of this to you in college or school, you know, there'd be, I think, a lot less. I totally agree, Adam. Totally agree. It's what's missing uh, in education. I'm passionate about education as well. And like you and probably like a lot of people out there, I think there's a lot missing from modern day education 
and we know what it is and for some reason and i don't i haven't figured it out yet but but it it's just not being introduced into the curriculum we're still so very old in the way we do things we like to think we're, we're, we're using cutting edge technology and okay technology yes we are but in schools we're not using different teaching methods that are radical and reach out to people reach out to to to, to, to the youth to inspire them and even when and i've seen the adverts for teachers on on tv and they're looking for inspirational people to be teachers but when I see how young a lot of the teachers are, and it's not taking away youth at all, but I do feel there's a lot to be said for people with a lifetime of experience to be at least, if not teachers, then they need to be teaching assistants or they need to be invited in at regular intervals to inspire the, 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 the pupils in other ways other than academic. Because children, we were all children. Yeah. We know how we were. And to be honest, a lot of us, I don't think, really change all that much. We still have, <clears throat> we still look at life um, in terms of, of wonder and, and excitement. And we need to feed that. We shouldn't be muting it. Mm. We, should be, we should be feeding it. We should be feeding um our creativity to inspire us to do greater things than, than we've achieved so far. And we are still in this method of looking at life through simply collecting as much money as possible in order so that we can have nicer continue our work. So we have a nice house and a nice car and we use that nice car to get back to work why aren't we doing things that we actually want to do money is great i love money yeah. i want to have a lot of money but i'm comfortable with being uncomfortable and if i don't have it that's okay too but one thing that is ultimately more important for me than money and that's doing something i love and believe in because if i don't love it i won't believe in it and if i don't believe in it the client or the customer is not going to believe in it. And that would be inauthentic of me. And the client and the customer will not be getting any value from me at all. And guess what? Nor will I. I'm not going to be getting anything out of it myself. I'm going to be simply depleting my energy for how many hours it is that I work, doing something I don't enjoy, coming home tired, waking up tired, and then doing it all again. And millions of us do this every day. It's, um, it's about how you make Correct. Not, not about That's how exactly you make. right. And this is going back to your point that you brought up about education. This is something we need to teach in schools. You know, we're talking a lot right now on LinkedIn and, and other platforms about empathy in the workplace and empathy in general and, and being kind um where better to start this information to start this education than in a school we're learning it people like you and me you know who've lived a life and, and had businesses and been employees 
we're learning it now. We should have been learning this when we were seven and eight years of age. And this is something that, that needs to be definitely addressed in schools, colleges, any educational institute to, to just to make society a better place for all of us to live in. Yes, business is about competition, but there are ways of having a competition in life that, that don't involve people being miserable as they enter that competition. Because you're already kind of pre-programmed before you... Absolutely, we are pre-programmed. And the, the problem with that pre-programming is, generally speaking, it feels to most people, obviously business owners, that, well, there's nothing really broken. And if it's not broken, why fix it? But we have to, yeah. and especially these business leaders need to, and I think they have been, um, looking at the amount of people with mental health issues, depression, people on people who have been uh, on long-term sickness leave. And I think slowly, slowly, slowly it's dawning on a lot of people that we need to start improving the way um, we take care of ourselves as individuals to begin with. And secondly, how we take care of others, not only that we care for in our own family, but also if we are leaders or business owners, we have a responsibility uh, to our employees and to those who work for us. And if we're not going to treat them right, then they aren't going to bring their best to work. No. I mean... I've experienced it in some places I've worked in where they've had, you know, yeah. good managers and bad managers. Uh, they've all experienced that. Some some managers have had, you know, they take you aside and you just don't feel yeah. yourself. You know, you can have a chat with them. They offer you their time. Because I've seen some managers where, you know, you might make mistakes or you do things wrong. There's no communication whilst all that's happening. And it's just a conversation where they're just being negative and critical, or you might, you know, you might even lose your job, or there's all these warnings in place. And it's very, you know, in the corporate world, especially in some of these places, it's like, mm. why are your targets up? You know, why are your profits low? Um, you know, rather than being empathic, you know, there might be a reason Correct. why. And this is, you, you, again, you've hit the nail on the head. This is what we need to change is, is the fact that they're not even bothering to look at it like that. It's business is still operating on this level of this is, uh, this is what you have to do. Just go away and achieve it. I don't bring me um, problems, just bring me solutions. And this is what I'm hoping is beginning to change throughout the business world. Uh, that they are realizing, again, they had a fear, as we talked about fear right at the beginning. They had a fear that um, people um, would just maybe, if, if they gave time to their employees, to their staff, 
um, they thought that they might be losing out. They thought they thought that they might be losing profit. So I think what they're starting to realize and get over the fear of is that actually, no, it's having such a beneficial effect. If we show empathy and we show kindness and we show support and we we show understanding to our employees, they're going to come back. They're going to stay longer. They're going to do more. They're going to be better, better workers because they're happy workers. Yeah, because I, I saw one of Gary's posts and he said, he said, I work for yeah. employees, they don't work for me or something like that. And um, he said, he had some guy in this boardroom and said, this guy was basically saying that when he goes into his business, other people aren't as happy as him. And he wonders why, and couldn't figure out why. And, um, and Gary, and he said, you know, why don't you just take them, take out, so you've got a hundred employees, a hundred people working for you. Just take twenty a week, yeah. and just sit down with them for five or ten minutes and ask them, what, yeah. what is it about exactly. the going on? Just do that one by. That's why I think staff meetings are important. That's why I think meetings are important. I've worked in some places where they never have staff meetings or they don't discuss mm. ideas or mm. how people feel about their and I think it's crazy. I mean, I think I've worked in two places that I actually did staff mm. meetings. You know, just, just to, to connect with people. Get other people's opinions on the job. Or how but here's, here's the thing. It's, 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 it's not that easy it's easier said than done when perhaps the person who is taking the meeting finds it difficult themselves to be open to be to have sympathy to have empathy and this is something that again that i'm interested in is if you don't have a team leader who has those qualities then you may find yourself as a, as a business um, with issues further on down the line. We need someone who is authentic when they are connecting with people. It, we know when we are just being given lip service. I've been to meetings like that where, you know, the, the, the leaders didn't come across as truly caring. They were just doing all this just because they've been told they had to do this. And this is the flip side of that. You can have your team meetings, yeah. but are they actually um, of value? And the only way you're going to get value is if you have someone who is leading that meeting, uh, opening up the floor to to their colleagues and really showing that they actually give a damn about them and that they themselves don't don't give the impression that they're, that they're scorning it and think it's petty and silly. If you have those people working for you, then I'm afraid you have to consider that the workplace is perhaps a little bit toxic. Anyone who can't value another person's feelings um, is, is, is not helping your, your industry. They're hindering it. And I think when you, you know, you feel appreciated and you're more likely to work there and enjoy your job and be happy. And I think it's just like little things, even if like, you know, the CEO of the company knows your name or asks about how you've been or remembers something that you mentioned on the last month or the week, um, you know, took place to you. 
Mm. Oh, absolutely. Everything does. Everything has a knock-on effect. Everything is linked to everything else to some degree. And it's vital that we realize that. We think a lot of things aren't connected that actually are. I mean, I've, I've been in that situation myself where, you know, just a little appreciation. You can't believe how small appreciation um, or an appreciative word or an action, how far it goes and how, how, how deep it goes, because it's really important. Just little things like thank you. Um, you're appreciated. It's, you know, seen you do some great work this week. Thanks a lot. That's all it is. And as long as it's done with sincerity, and you can tell, as I said, we, we, we know when we're get, being given lip service, but if it's done with sincerity, it can mean the world. It, it can give somebody the, the impetus to, to, to be re-energized. And I've worked in places like yourself where yeah. done a hard graft, um, maybe worked a shift and a half, turned around to my line manager and, and, uh, and said, you know, um, I think the line manager looked at me and said, what, what's the matter? Uh, I probably had a face like thunder. And I said, well, you know, a little little appreciation wouldn't go amiss. And the line manager simply stared at me and said, this is your job. You shouldn't be thanked for doing your job. Get on with it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So that always stayed with me. And I thought, well, that is exactly the wrong way to deal with your colleagues, your staff, just another human being in general. It's quite robotic almost, isn't it? It's quite, um, what's the word? It's like totally... Yes, because that's how they feel they have to be. That's how a lot of people feel they have to be, especially in their jobs they still have this mindset or they are given this mindset that, listen, you are here to do a particular task. You will complete that task and then you will go home. And, you know, in between the hours of, of whatever the hours are for your shift, you will do what we want, when we want, how we want. And uh, this is the job, don't forget, that you applied for. And this is the job that we agreed to give you. It's almost like a contractual obligation. And again, going back to, to what I've said earlier, is this is something I'm passionate about breaking, that this, this cycle, the stigma, this idea that we still, at, in the 21st century, are still living with these very rigid parameters. And we think we're getting the best out of employees as an knock-on effect a business. We prefer still to use the stick than the carrot. I mean, they use the carrot in a, in a, in a, in a very subtle, yeah. actually not say subtle way, but I mean, you get all these benefits perhaps, but the benefits aren't the real reason that people stay in a job. The benefits are, do you like, <coughs> excuse me, do you like who you are working for as a manager? And do you like the, your colleagues and, and coworkers? And the environment that you have to be in for eight hours or more for most people, this is the difference between staying and leaving and if they don't have 
the financial ability to leave, then this is the difference between them going on sick leave um, and you as a business uh, getting lower productivity. And this can all be avoided. This can be avoided very easily. And it's simply we need to open our minds, have less fear, more positivity. Be nice, be kind. You know, that we've been hearing that on LinkedIn and, and all the other platforms after, you know, the tragedy of Caroline Flack is be kind. Well, we need to take that on board, not only as individuals with our friends and our family, um, and not only just in, 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 in the public arena with strangers. We need to be like this in, at work. We need to be kind at work because you, 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 you reap what you sow. And if we're going to show kindness, we're going to show appreciation, we're going to get something back. We have this fear that we're not. We have this fear as human beings that we are going to, that we are facing unrequited love. It's almost theatrical. It's almost like a drama. You know, uh, oh, I'm going to give this person my love and, and what happens if they don't love me back? We need to get over that. And just be, uncom be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Just play it forward. And I think, you know, it's far worse having that regret than not doing exactly. it at all. You know, not trying those things at all. Exactly. But again, there's that fear. There's that fear just, just trying to stop people. Oh, but what if? And then they look back, which is another really yeah. bad idea, is to, to look back and regret and go, oh, you know, if I hadn't done that, we'd be all right today. And that is just, that is not helping your situation if you find yourself in a difficult situation. Looking back with regret is not going to help you. You have got to look forward with positivity. No one's saying being flippant about it. Oh, well, you know, that's happened. No, that's ridiculous. You know, oh, you know, oh, well, I've just lost my house, my car and my <laughs> wife. But, you know, life goes on. No, no one's asking you to have this kind of uh, cartoonish <laughs> attitude. You're going to feel pain. As I've said again about fear, you're going to feel it, feel it. But don't let it control you. Do not, under any circumstances, give in to it. I think one of the biggest things I was fear fearful of, um, the past few years and was like learning to drive yeah i i hate it i hate i hate wow. feeling what i was feeling when i was learning to drive um, i i think as a person this is you know something that i've been working on is um yeah i like to kind of hit the ground running with things i i can struggle sometimes in that learning process and being patient and it's it's just you know realizing that things take time and you know it's okay to feel vulnerable it's okay correct it, it's as i said kind of right at the beginning uh, of, our, of our conversation it, yeah. it's within us it's in it's inherent inside us it's in our dna it's in our our building blocks we have to feel that it's normal we, we, we'd be psychopathic if we didn't. 
um you know even seasoned actors say that they still get butterflies before they go on stage this is normal behavior normal human behavior so i, I was listening to a podcast uh today actually whilst i was driving oh, yeah? um, stand-up comedian called joey diaz he's a, he's a cuban guy he's on joe rogan's podcast quite a lot really funny guy and he uh he's in his 50 i think he's 57 the other day he said that even now when he goes on stage, he gets scared. Yeah. And he's a massive guy. He's quite a big, solid guy. You wouldn't think he's scared going on stage. But he he said he went to Vegas to do his um, stand-up um, night. And he said he started panicking. Yeah. He started getting all like you know, hot sweats. And he said he, just had to walk, he had to walk in between the corridors in the hotel just to take his mind off it. And then... He said he started worrying about, you know, all the people that have travelled to see him because he said he wants to do his best show. He said people have put a lot of time and money into travelling to see him. You know, people have got planes, flights, hotels. And he said he was just thinking about all of that. But he said once he was, you know, with the uh, club manager, good security guards, he's seen other comedians go up and doing their bit. He said he kind of, you know, that anxiety kind of, you know, died down a little bit, but he was saying that you know, once you're out there and you're doing it, he said that fear just kind of goes away when you're actually doing it. It's you know, the initial the putting the first step in front of the other. That's what it is. It's not knowing how it's going to go, hmm. which is ridiculous for us to ask these questions to ourselves. And we just have to do it. Like I said, you, the same thing with, with you know, jumping into a, an icy cold lake. You just do it and you'll soon find that. Or even, you know, if you get to a, the cold sea or a cold swimming pool and it's the initial shock. Once you start swimming around, you're OK. And you realize, well, what on earth was I worried for before I jumped in? It, it's similar. Um, we also the other problem is, as you said, with the comedian, we put a lot of constraints on ourselves we put a lot of pressure on ourselves he wants to give his best show so he's put that pressure on himself right away and he's thinking about the audience mm. if he's thinking about giving his best show then i'm afraid you only know you've done your best depending on how someone else has uh given you feedback so he's going to be worrying about the audience subconsciously yeah, yeah. Well, I hope they like it. I hope they like the new material. This is, again, one of those negative voices, which we have to learn to try and turn the volume down on. Mm. And if you do something for yourself, I think we can all agree that when you do something by yourself and for yourself, for the love of it, you do a great job. Mm. But when you start doing it for something for someone like, else, that's when uh, you start doubting. With podcast, right? oh, but they won't like it. But you know they'll like it because you know mm. that you 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 can do what you do. But it's it's when we bring someone else or more into the picture, we then start building the fear. And the more people, the more fear. Yeah. Oh, I've got to do a, a public. I've got to do some public talking um, tomorrow in front of uh, five people. Okay, small to moderate fear. Now, if I told you, oh, you've got to go and do a, a bit of public speaking in front of a, a crowd of 5,000, it goes through the roof. Your fear just goes absolutely 
stratospheric. But if we were just to try and mm. consider, I'm going to talk about something I know all about. And I'm going to enjoy it because I'm, I love talking about this particular subject. And you stop even thinking about anybody else being there, being present. You're doing it for yourself. You know, like sometimes I've heard them talk about uh, footballers uh, or, in fact, any sports people. And sometimes when the sports particular, uh, the sports person starts losing their passion in a professional team. And then the coach says, remember when you used to just play this game for fun? Remember when you were a kid and you loved it? Try and tap into that and play like that again. This is, you know, this is so true. And this is something we can use not only in sports, but in absolutely everything um, in our everyday lives. Connecting with it because you love it, doing it because you love it. And this will give you confidence when you know how to do it, because it's, it's almost part of you. It's almost intrinsic in you. Almost like breathing. Oh, I can do that. I can do that in front of one person. I can do it in front of a thousand people. Makes no difference because I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm doing because I love what I'm doing. Mm. Close. If you love what if you love what you do, I mean, we've been doing this for now and eleven minutes, but it feels like we've been yeah, it does. doing it for five minutes because it's you know it's all about it's all exactly we love and feel strong. Exactly. And I could do this all day because I just love exploring um, possibilities, potentials mm. with other people. Mm. And, and hopefully opening, opening their minds up and, and, got... and having my mind opened up as well. I, I love hearing other people's stories uh, because everybody can mm. teach us something. Absolutely everybody. It's about providing, you know, value to other people, isn't it? And giving something back for, you know, someone else to take exactly. from it, you know, and apply it to their life. Or <clears throat> if it can make them think differently, behave differently, that's what it's all about. I mean, I had, I had one guy on a podcast, um, I think it was the last person I had on it. From that, he, he did his own podcast. He's, he created his own cool. podcast. Because he you know, kind of got out. He was there inspired by you. He could be. Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah. Because, I mean, before I did this, I put it off quite a while. And I was scared before I did it. And, you know, I could have not done it because of fear. And, you know, what if, what, how, how are people going to think about it? But just like, do you, it. You just have to just do yeah. it. And if you believe Just it, do it anyway. Someone who is on your wavelength will love what you're doing and it will be just right for them. We don't have to be like other people. That's our biggest mistake mm. is stereotyping, mm. being a carbon copy of someone else because they were successful doing that. So I'm going to do that and I'm going to do it in exactly the same way they did it. Uh -uh. That does not or it works to a degree, but it really it doesn't really work. It's not what we're looking for, either as customers, clients, or just as ordinary humans. We're always looking for something a little bit different. And different, you don't even have to work at that. 
you were born different. When people say, and they use it uh, maybe marginally too much on LinkedIn, but they say, you know, uh, just be you. I mean, really, what else can you be? I mean, you can try and fake stuff, obviously, but people, as I said before, people know lip service, people know BS when they see it and hear it. And just just do what it is that you want to do. Do what it is that drives you. Do what it is that is your passion. And don't even think about how other people do it. Do it the way you want to do it. Maybe you'll stumble on something absolutely fresh and brand new because you weren't influenced mm. by someone else. <clears throat> I um this reminds me of my, my girlfriend. She um she studied uh, like fashion design at university and she's really, really passionate about clothes and design and making clothes and she she made her her friend uh, dress. Yeah. She has like a sewing machine and she was up till you know, late at night making this dress and Wow. Uh, it was covered in sequins. Yeah, she uh, so so that's the right term. Um, this blue netting onto it, and all this other stuff. And, yeah, you know, it took a couple of days to do it. But I just love that when you know someone has that passion for something, and it doesn't matter what time it is and or how long it takes. And you know, it's seeing that end results. And the person on the other end of that who's happy with the dress and. It all kind of ties in with the, you know, the experience. Of exactly. And uh, I think with, with that, and um, you know, it's like um, suits and watches and certain things that have been crafted by someone. It's like you know, smart some of these smart shoes that have been designed by you know some guy in Italy yeah. somewhere in shop. All these kind of you know lots of different things that we kind of don't necessarily think about. But when I look at some stuff, I'm like, oh, someone's actually thought about that and designed that and spent time. Oh, exactly. That's exactly how I am. Um, I, I've really, just like that, like you've just described, I, I hone in on these things now, which I, I never used to think twice about it. And you look at something, you think someone's actually, especially if it is handmade after all, like you said, they, you get uh, some lovely um, uh, original handmade shoes. Um, and you think, you know, someone's crafted that. Someone's actually taken a lot of time to design and produce this, this, this thing in my hand. And, and it's just incredible. And I love that. Um, it's it's something special where you are taking the time to appreciate. We're talking about appreciation before. You are taking the time to appreciate what someone has done because they love to do it. Could you imagine someone in like a handmade in the in the shoe industry who who made handmade shoes and who absolutely hated being there? I mean, they just make a terrible pair of shoes because oh, yeah. they just hated every moment that they were there. They might know how to yeah. do it. Maybe they, they are the son of a shoe, uh, of a cobbler. And so they just l grew up learning how to do it, but they have a dream to, to be an archaeologist. And they just hate being there. Yeah. I mean, 
you don't want to buy something made by someone like that. You want to you want to have the confidence that I know that the people who have produced this service or have made this item have their heart in this. Mm. And you, you pay you pay that extra absolutely because of that. Um, it's worth it. It's like um, we are you know it's a bit random, but we are getting my hair cut. I drive like. Yeah. half an hour or so to town to get my hair cut but it's because the guys are in there they're really friendly you have a good laugh they engage with you um, it's a nice atmosphere and they, they love what they do and, you know 10 out of 10 every single time whereas you know I'd rather travel somewhere and go quite far and have a nice experience of a good haircut rather than go somewhere close by that's convenient and exactly that. absolutely right i mean there you are i mean you've seen it for yourself in a small uh, business environment they love what they do and they're going to get your custom even though they know you've had to travel for 30 minutes in a car i mean that speaks volumes for them that reflects so well on them and this is what businesses need to be doing up and down the country, if not the world, is is going above and beyond, and not even forcing yourself to go above and beyond, but going above and beyond because you love to go above and beyond. Because the customer or the client mm. can see the passion um, in what you do. And they want some of that. It's like you're having a cake. You've got all this passion. You've got all this energy. They want a piece of it. And that's why you want to be close to these sort mm. of people. Like you said, the, the, the guy in, um, in, in Nero's in the cafe, coffee shop, he's got this energy. You want a little bit yeah, of that. Yeah. And we need to make sure that companies and businesses are, um, are fertile ground for, for this kind of energy and for promoting and producing happy, passionate staff. And if, they're not, if they can't produce it, then they have to uh, recruit it. And they have to take more time and energy in finding people who genuinely want to work in that industry because they love it. And it's going to have a two-way effect. And I think that, I think that ties into that topic we was on about uh, like mental health and the effect it has on family, friends, and colleagues. And it's, and it's kind of... It, it, it is. is. You know, it's a knock on effect. Oh, absolutely it is. I mean, we're going back to a point I raised earlier yeah. is that if, if people are unhappy to be uh, or to work um, in, a, in, a, in a particular team, it's not gelling right, you've got uh, too many people who don't understand each other, they miscommunicate, this is going to have a knock on effect. People aren't going to want to work in this environment. The, the, the salary is not going to be enough to keep people to begin with it will the fear will always be there but they will get a point as it does as it has done with me as it as it has done with you and with everybody where you just don't care anymore and you break through but in the meantime if someone's going to be away from work because of mental health issues because they're just not enjoying their job for various reasons this is having not only an effect on the industry it's not only having an effect on the individual the employee, the staff member, it's also having a knock-on effect with their family and friends back at home. You know, uh, mental health is not something that is 
uh, solitary as much as we sort of advertise the fact that we 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 suggest that loneliness and and uh, the feelings that we hide are part and parcel of this and it, it, mental health can go unnoticed and therefore mental health can have that sort of uh, lonely uh, tag but a lot of the time those nearest and dearest to us know that something's wrong even if we don't want to talk to them about it even if we're trying to shield them from it it's having an effect on them as well um this is something also that i'm passionate about is the people who are in the family who may be trying to deal with a member of their family or their friends who are suffering with mental health um because we we need to help those people get through what they're going through to see their friend or their loved one deteriorating before their eyes we need to help them ask the right questions uh, we need to help them feel to some degree what their loved one may, may be going through and we should be trying to help them communicate this to their friend or loved one as well they need support too and so as as, as you see i mean mental health it may stem in the workplace but it will go all the way home and it will affect those people at home as well and this is this is a serious thing i think with with that in work as well there's also like i think in today's society as well like um you know everything's a lot faster isn't it i think if you live in a city you know, there's a lot going on around us so there's all these like external stresses as well as absolutely like, you know, oh, without ones, a doubt um people have always said um you know if you live in a city you can be surrounded by five million people and still feel completely alone um it's very very true and i do not doubt at all that there are many people um who are lonely despite having a lot of people around them be it work colleagues uh, family even uh, you can still feel alone if you do not feel heard you do not feel appreciated and most importantly if you don't feel you're understood and we need to be aware of that we cannot just use one or two senses to analyze those around us we can't just look use our eyes and maybe our ears uh, to decide whether people around us uh, are suffering with um, mental health we need to do more than that we need to talk to people this goes back right to the beginning of our conversation we need to have real conversations with people just like the uh, the chap in, in the shop who, who put the advert in the window we need to talk to people we need to yeah. actually see who people are we need to hear the intonations in their voice we need to be looking at them in the eyes we need to be really um feeling the emotions coming off those people we need to attune ourselves. We used to do this. This used to be uh, who we were years and years ago. We used to be far more attuned to other people's emotions. And since the subsequent dawn and rise of, of the information age and the technological age, we seem to have lost that. We've lost that ability, not just, you know, we use the word connect, but not just to connect, to actually feel 
um, what the other person is feeling. Empathy, we call it now. But I mean, it was just a sensory perception before. You wouldn't need to call it anything. You could just feel it. And we need to get that back. Because if we started using that a lot more, developing it a lot more, evolving it, we'd be able to catch mental health in the very earliest stages because we'd, we'd recognize that. And then people wouldn't have to put themselves through hell. It's a combination of a lot of things. It's, it's us waking up. It's us being more honest with ourselves, asking difficult questions, facing our fears. It's us being more appreciative and thankful and grateful. Everything is combined. Everything is linked. And we just have to accept that fact rather than deny it. Hmm. I think as well, um, it's almost like a life, isn't it? Also, oh, quotes, it's like a film. And um, this guy, he says, um, I have to find it. But he basically says, by showing his light, he enables the light, the light of others to. Yeah, well absolutely. Like but someone, basically, yeah, that isn't there. Go, going back to fear, which is you know what started our conversation off. Someone has to take the first step, um, and that is, as humans, <clears throat> our biggest fear. Oh, I have to do it first, do I? Mm. I'm afraid so. If no one else is going to do it, then you're good. Then you're going to have to do it. Otherwise, we're all just going to be sitting in the dark yeah. forever, waiting for someone to pluck up the courage to do it. So you might as well do it. If you know something has to be done, just do it. Did you ever watch the um, documentary on TV? Yes. The yes. Do you ever watch any of those programs? They're, they're pretty incredible. You see, like, you know, all these different people from all these different backgrounds and, you know, uh, physical attributes. And uh, Guy, did you watch the last episode? No, no, I haven't. I haven't done for a little while, but. But, um, but you know, like you see these people and, you know, you, you wouldn't yeah. think they'd be able to cope in some of these environments. And then at the end, at the end, yeah. there would be like three people <laughs> from like 40 people. And you think, you know, all that mental resilience and then when they went behind the scenes and spoke to them they were saying you know that they've been through some really bad things in their life some hard times but it, it kind of gave them that resilience um to push through all these things that they've been absolutely facing. absolutely i'm a firm believer in all our experiences building us all the time into the person that we are today and that is what makes us extraordinary human beings. Those people you just talked about, you know, they come from all walks of life and yet they prove themselves capable when they were put under pressure. Um, they performed using the experiences that they had in their lives. 
And I think this this is something that is very apt for business. Again, going back to the whole point of trying to get to know your staff, your employees, and your clients for that matter. They are more than the job they are applying for. They are more than the job they end up doing. They are complex human beings uh, that are capable of incredible things. Sometimes they don't know it themselves. But if you are willing, again, to fight the fear and give them an opportunity, you could see great things occur. And again, all that we seem to do is we go back to the fear and we go back to simply doing things the way we've always done because they're nice and safe and you know the outcome. But what if we were to, to take a risk and the outcome was even better, better than we could possibly have even have imagined? I'm just thinking as well, um, if, you, if you think of all these companies that have, you know, successful companies like Ford, Honda, Starbucks, McDonald's, and um, you know, a lot of these companies that are successful, you know, that all had to start somewhere. And I suppose, you know, the setbacks in a lot of these companies, you know, getting established and a lot of doubt, a lot of fear, and um, a lot of people saying, oh, it won't work out. And, you know, you know where they are now, you know, these, it's kind of the same concept, isn't it? You think of it, you know, these companies perhaps start somewhere. And these people who set them up. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote an article recently talking about how people set businesses up, industries up. And it starts off mm. with the person whose idea it was. It starts off with their idea. And mm. what it feels like is that that person then wants to keep that idea working like that forever and ever until the end of time without realizing that ideas are pliable. They're not fixed. They can be stretched and shrunk. And much like plasticine, you, you, you can play with the idea. And the idea of, of, of the business is to shape it, bend it, stretch it, do anything you need to do uh, to make that industry evolve and ultimately survive, just like a living thing. And we can't do this alone. An idea is, is more than just one person. I mean, you're going to involve other people in it anyway, which means you may as well, not just may as well, you should involve their input as well into that idea. How can we evolve this company? How can we evolve this business and make it the best it can be? It's not going to be the best just continually doing the same thing you did yesterday. You can get away with that for so long, but eventually every industry has to change.
It, it is. It's keeping it fresh, isn't it? And, and the only uh, way to keep it fresh is to is to keep asking for ideas. Although we aren't unlimited with our own ideas, uh, we need inspiration. And one of the fastest routes to get inspiration is from other people. Ask other people. Get inspired from their stories. Get inspired by their experiences. And again, we're, we're afraid. Fear. This is the biggest killer of everything, of, of, of our potential. Fear strips our potential. And that's why that is, as far as I'm concerned, certainly, and the way that I work, is trying to build people up, build their confidence, and diminish their fear. It's great with, you know, the work that you do, because um, I saw on your profile, you're... Yes. Mentor, your mentor at the minute. Um, con content writer. Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do quite a quite a bit of mentoring um, at the moment for different reasons. Hence, I have a few um, projects on my LinkedIn page which are similar but different. So, one of the mentoring um, roles that I play is, is mentoring. Uh, people just starting out, entrepreneurs who are just starting out in business, um, who may never have done anything like this before. And to begin with, they are a mixture of fear and overconfidence, which sounds crazy until you've met some of the people I've met. <laughs> and they want to do everything. And at the same time, they're absolutely petrified of taking the first step to do it. And so my job is simply to temper them and to temper their emotions and to look at things as calmly as, as they're able to do and to look at it logically, but to also eliminate the fear that they have and let them know that they can do and make all their, their dreams come true, but then there has to be a process. And part of that process is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. So, um, yeah, that's that's part of what I do. The other thing I do is um, much like I'm doing uh, with you right now, Adam, is just talking about experiences in my life that have helped me through very, very difficult mm. uh, periods and how I hope I can inspire others mm. um, to to fight another day to know that. Things are possible and the bad things that you're going through won't last and you have the strength within to to carry on, to continue and to succeed. Um, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of things um, and done a lot of things in my life. Um, as you probably saw on my profile, I, I worked for the police for 12 years and that was one of the steepest yeah. learning curves I think anyone can have. Um, you will, without a doubt, see things that the average person doesn't see. You will do things that the average person doesn't do. You will be put in situations that are uncomfortable. 
that are tense, that are very difficult to deal with, and that you have to overcome your fear very, very quickly. And that really, that job was uh, quite instrumental to making me the person that I am today. So I try and teach others through the experiences that I've had, um, going from quiet, um, book-loving introvert to globe-trotting, business-starting uh, extrovert that I am today. <laughs> it, it, we can change ourselves. We do have the power to do so. We never lose the person we were originally. I'm still, I still love books. Oh my, I've just got far too many books. Um, I just love reading books. Um, not digitally. I, I actually like buying a book, you know, feeling it in my hands, smelling the pages. I, I just love having that, 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 that thing. It's uh, the book itself becomes part of the adventure. Yeah. So I'm still that person deep down. He's still in there. I've just added to it. I've just bolted on. And that's another fear that I think some people do have. They think they're going to change themselves and lose themselves. You're not. You're simply just going to bolt on extras. That's all. Hmm. You are not going to change. You'll still be that same person. Just... I'm still that person I was as a kid. I, I'm still, I still love books. Still... I love being by myself. Um, painting, art. You know, all the solo sports as well, uh, solo hobbies as well. I, I, I'm still that um, introvert at heart. But I've also learned to enjoy um, extrovert things and outgoing things. It's just a bolt on. Yeah, you don't change yourself. You, I didn't go from, oh, I'm no longer an introvert, now I'm an extrovert. No, now I'm both. And I choose when when I want to be an introvert. Sometimes my, my body just tells me, you know, I don't want to go out tonight. Fancy staying in and uh, just reading next chapter of my book. I decide that. I haven't changed. I've just given myself another dimension. As you said, another badge, another string to the bow. It's just something else now I can do. I became comfortable with being uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable being an extrovert as a, as a child. Now I'm comfortable with it. It's nice that you've got that balance as well, where you can be like, well, I can do this, but then you know, I can um, go home and read a book or yeah. do, you know, watch TV or X, Y, Z. And I think you know, it's important to have that balance as a person. I, I, I need to have that. Balance where you know I, I like to come to go and doing, but I say again, it, it all comes down to I think the central word of, of tonight's uh, conversation is fear. Something is holding us back, and we have to mm. find out what that is, and then we have to find out why that is, and then we have to do it anyway. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes we don't want to go out in public because we're. We're worried we don't look right or we just feel we don't bring enough value to the group that we're going out with or that's a fear. And we have to conquer that fear by trying to tell ourselves again the positives 
which are look i'm going to learn something i'm going to see people it's going to mm. it's going to get me out of the house which is what i need and I, I want to learn even if i'm just listening in the background i'm learning something from from these guys who i'm with and sure yeah they may not think a lot mm. of me they may think i'm too quiet i've got nothing of value to add but i'm getting something out of it even if they're not and that's it see that's 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 overturning the negative into the positive the negative is still there it's still telling you oh you know they don't really think a lot of you and and they don't think you bring you much value so you start thinking well for me what am i getting out of it i'm getting loads out of it and start putting yourself first mm. start looking only at the positives uh it's kind of a that, you know, the negative things just to quieten down. They'll always be quietened down while you hear the positive a lot more louder. Hmm. It's overriding those thoughts yes. isn't it? and um, those insecurities, um, replacing it with, like, you know, it's, it's basically, I think, um, wiring, isn't it? You know, like you're. Like you're, you're, like you you're molding you're yourself. Like you have like that your, ability. Your we let other people mold us. We've mold. let them mold us through school. We've let them. We've let our some maybe bad friendships and bad relationships mold us. We have to take back control, which we can, to mold ourselves. We have to just simply say no sometimes to the voices, those negative voices, those. Um, cynical voices in our head just say no look I'm not listening to this anymore yeah I know you probably got some good facts you're probably right about this and that but guess what I've weighed up the positives they're actually far greater than the negatives and I'm just going to do it anyway mm. I think do you think, like with, with fear um, um, as a whole do you think a lot of it, you know, stems stems from like someone's belief system, and that's all kind of, to, you know, based on past experiences and yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a mixture of a lot of things. It's 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 quite complex. Yeah. It's a mixture of um, past experience, uh, once bitten, twice shy. Basically, you've done it once, it didn't work out. I won't do it again. Uh, this is one of those negative voices that needs to be hushed. You tried it once, it didn't work out. Now try, now try it again, because this time it might work out. We need to override that it didn't work. All right, so it'll never work then. Is, is that what you're telling me? That's what your head is telling you. Yes, it's what I'm telling you. You've tried it once, it didn't work, so there. Why can't we say, well, I'm gonna try it again? Because maybe second time lucky, maybe third time lucky maybe 25th time lucky, but I'm going to keep trying it. You know, that's how I learned mm. to eat. There's nothing I won't eat on this planet. I think I've tried most things and some things I've tried are quite uh, visually disgusting. Um, mm. But I tried some foods when I was a kid and I didn't like it. I tried it again five years later and I loved it. You have mm. to keep trying things. I know they, there's an, another adage which you, which people can reply to that and say, oh, you okay. know, um, 
foolishness is trying something and expecting a different reaction. Guess what? Sometimes you do get a different reaction by trying it again, by doing the same thing again. Not every time that's life for you. It, nothing is guaranteed, but it is worth trying something again. No one's saying going hammer and tong at it and just keep keep hitting your head against the wall, hoping that you know one day the wall's going to break. No, that's foolishness. But try something once and return to it another time. Maybe your mood wasn't right. Maybe you had the wrong tool yeah. at the time. Maybe you know whatever. Mm. But try again. Don't listen to that fear that says yeah, you did it once and it failed. So don't do it again. That is unhelpful. Good. Nothing would get done otherwise, would it, in life, if uh, everyone you know, carried on that way? Nothing They'd get comfortable in being uncomfortable, and that's what we have to do. Because when, when I learned to drive, I, yeah. I failed my test three times, my practical test. And I remember, like, second time, I... Like, the first time was bad. And then the second time, I just felt even worse. I thought, oh, here we go again. And then, you know, it's so easy to go, oh, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to bother. But but then again, you have all the regret, regret and everything else that comes with it. But when you push through after failing, and there's something about completion, I think. The greatest reward is after the hardest struggle. If it was really easy for you to pass your driving test, you wouldn't appreciate it. You appreciate it so much more, whether you're aware of it or not, but you do because of the struggle, because of the hardship it was for you to, 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 to finally get it. And now you appreciate it so much more because of that. And we all have that. Oh, trust me, I am one of the most frustrated people you will ever meet when, when you know, when something doesn't go right for me. Um, I throw my, my, my toys out of the pram. I'm not, ashamed, I'm not ashamed to say that I do. Um, and yeah. then I calm down. I give myself a, a mental slap in the face and say, um, put yourself together. And then I just take a deep breath and I crack on with it again. You're allowed, as I said before, you're allowed to have these mm. feelings. It's normal. You're allowed to be afraid. Completely normal. You're allowed to be angry. Feel those feelings. If you didn't have those feelings, uh, you'd be not only a weirdo, but mm. potentially a psychopath. You need to have these feelings. And then just give yourself a talking to. Speak positivity. See how the positive overrides the negative. Mm. You're going to get far more out of it when you finally win, complete, conquer, have success. So do it again. Mm. And don't what we do is we, we have and it's mm. probably part and parcel of, of the age we're living in. We have such high expectations of ourselves. Because we compare ourselves so much more than at any mm. other time, I think, in the history of mankind. You know, we have social media bombarding us with perfect images, perfect relationships, perfect careers, perfect businesses. And it, it takes its toll on us. And then we become really hard on ourselves to achieve that same thing. 
And we really don't have a clue how those people either achieved it or whether they really did achieve it anyway. So we need to stop being so hard on ourselves, getting so angry or afraid because we can't do something. And we just need to quietly remind ourselves that the positive is far greater than the negative and we need to just um, have less fear and more positivity. Mm. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, look at me. I'm I'm forty. How old am I? I'm for, <laughs> I, I I had to think of that for a minute. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'll be forty-seven this year, and I'm starting. Yeah, and I'll, I'm starting from zero. Oh wow! I could be afraid. I could mm. just run away and into a corner and cry and say, "Well, you know." Um, I've lost everything and um, I'm never going to make it. But that simply isn't true. Uh, so I have every positivity, every positive thought in my mind that um, I'm going to make a success. And success isn't necessarily, and I, I like talking about success. Success is not making money, um, having a lot of friends having the dream house, car, or career. That is not success. Success is living life by your own rules and reaching the standards that you have set yourself. So if you set the standard to be happy and you attain that, you have, you, you've reached success. So I, you know, I tell people, Again, don't have this fear. You have to learn to fight it. I'm living proof that you can succeed. Mm. And fail, and then start again. Mm. No, I really, really, um, I really love that. And I think there's... It's kind of a misconception with success, I think. And um, a lot of people think that success is, you know, having the latest thing, you know, the newest car. Um, but what I think that what, what it is deep down is, you know, that's that, that person's um, thinking about what other people think of them. So they're, you know, chasing... Because society, society when, has told us you know, next month that that is the definition of success. Yeah. And we need to take that back and say that isn't the definition mm. of success at all. That's simply just the definition of accruing a lot in life. Either because you can and you have the money, mm. congratulations, or you haven't got the money and you're buying it all on credit. Either way, are you happy? Has it made you ultimately at the end of the day, has it made you happy? If it has, that's great. Mm. You found out what it does to make you tick. And that's clearly having money to buy you products. We can talk about that on another, on another chat, mm. but you know, that has its own issues, but well, you know, really on, on a shallow yeah. um, level, congratulations. If you found yourself that that is what makes you happy. 
but more and more of us are realizing that that mm. is not enough. In fact, it wasn't even uh, adequate. Mm. And we're finding that we need something different. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's happiness that can't be bought. It's appreciation. It's love. Mm. Um, it's being who we want to be, who we really are, without apologies. And that, for me, is a definition of success. Living life on your terms, not anyone else's, not societies, not your communities, not your industries. Live it on your terms. Mm. Mm. I think if you live your life in your own terms, then... It is. The world's your oyster. It is, because again, you're living on your terms, and guess what? Your terms are not going to include fear, because that would be ridiculous for anyone to have that in their contract with themselves. I'm going to be afraid. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> it's going to be, I'm going to live with fear. So if you're living without fear on your terms, yeah. the world is indeed your oyster. I think with... Um... What you mentioned earlier in the conversation was um, how how you manage fear, and it's like you said you went uh, kickboxing. It's kind of taken that. I fear, thought I was going to get isn't yeah. it? And it's, it, it, it's um, facing the fear. It's, it's almost, back, and I'm sure some psychiatrists or psychologists would even say it's slightly a suicidal mentality. It's a self harm mentality, and pot potentially it, it, it's it's harmful because I didn't care what was going to happen to me. It was like I just threw caution to the wind. I just said, fate, take me. If, if I'm going to get my lights punched out and, you know, uh, be lying on a crumpled heap, then so be it. I look forward to it. And I went there and it didn't happen. Mm. <laughs> and when it didn't happen, that's when I thought, well, what on earth was I being so negative for? Like you're going for an interview in a job and you're yeah. thinking, oh, they're going to hate me. They're going to hate the clothes I'm wearing. They're going to hate my accent. Um they're going to hate my new haircut um and you go there and they don't and then you actually have a laugh you know mm. someone breaks the ice someone says something funny everybody starts laughing and you come out of that interview and you think well, what on earth was i afraid of they're just human beings they had terrible haircuts they had horrible clothes you know mm. what am i worried about it's all um... it is irrational irrational thinking isn't it it's not in the here and there it's preventative it's, fear is preventative it's all up in the air um it's to stop us getting into situations that we think we cannot cope with and unfortunately uh for our fear we can cope with it and we cope very well with it mm. when we put under the right amount of pressure correctly applied uh, we can use our imagination um, and our resources and our experiences to conquer anything. Mm. I think that's why it's important to sometimes like reflect and look at how far you've come, isn't it? In some scenarios, like if something's challenging you, you reflect back and you kind of refer back to times absolutely where you might have felt a certain way and kind of, i think it kind of reframes that perspective in some scenarios and you kind of then that anxiety kind of dies down a little bit you kind of think well, yeah 
I've been through X, Y, Z. So this Correct. isn't That's exactly right. anything compared to that. That's exactly right. That's exactly how we have to uh, use our uh, muscle memory. We, ha- we have to remember there are times in our life that we have um, gone through incredibly hard times. And we've survived because that's, that's how we're here right now. Mm. And if we've survived that, we can survive other things. Mm. Even if it's something new and unrelated, mm. the fact is we were able to survive. And we can do so again. There is nothing, there mm. is no reason why we can't survive. I was just thinking as well. Um, with the coronavirus, people are being fearful and buying toilet exactly. roll and all the rest of it. You know, we're going to survive it. So, I mean, people are being I don't think people realize uh, enough that <laughs> negativity and fear actually have uh, psychosomatic attributes, which means that basically, if you think negatively, mm. it will actually and has the potential to take on a physical attribute in the body and the mind, um, which is another. Mm. Yeah, fantastic reason to think positively, especially, especially, especially when things are going wrong. Mm. We can all think positively when things are going right, mm. but we have to train ourselves to, to yeah. actually make ourselves do something we, we we're not comfortable with, which is thinking positively in some of the mm. darkest times of our lives. Um, mm. And you're right with the coronavirus. Let's talk about the coronavirus. Mm. Then is is the sense that people have been panicking. That's why they've been stockpiling. Stockpiling. Um, yeah. We've sorry. Um, we've right. got we've got about thirty seconds left before this cuts off. Oh, I don't um, know. I just want to say anytime. it's been a pleasure doing the podcast with you. Um, Not at all, only it's been great to like meet to say you. LinkedIn has done wonderful seconds. things for for me being able to meet people, and I hope um, that this podcast is is going to inspire some people or help some people. That's all I I, I hope for. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Adrian. Really appreciate thank you, Adam. your time Anytime. and energy. Take and, uh, care. Definitely do it again. Bye. Take care. Take care, Adrian. Thank you. Tune in. Hi, I'd just like to say a massive thank you for tuning into this podcast and I'm really, really grateful to be on this path and journey with you all. If you would ever like to provide feedback, you can do so by going on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review or you can send me an email at thepositivitypodcast.gmail.com. All feedback is much appreciated. If you would like to donate anything at all, I have a Patreon account where you can donate a small amount and you get exclusive content from the podcast. Or I also have a PayPal if you would like to donate anything as well. Just a small gesture. And all donations all go towards the podcast and making it a better experience for you all. Now, I hope you have a great day and stay tuned for more episodes.